Hello there, I'm Tim and he's John and this is How to Murder Time, a podcast about games and things. Hello everybody. Watcher. We're back again. I know, I'm sorry, I'm transfixed. I got a new light. I know, it's beautiful. I, uh, if I just suddenly stop and stare like catatonic for like five minutes at yeah. a time, you'll have to fill. But um, yeah, so... It does have two... Well, <laughs> I tried having both of them. How long have you been doing this? Like 10 years, as we previously yeah. discussed, and you've decided to use a light. I've got I've got two of them. I tried putting mm. two of them up, so I may do that next time. But okay. It's a bit problematic, and also I can't wear my glasses anymore because it blinds the camera. You don't need to see what's going yeah. on. I was going to poke out the lenses, but I thought it would help. <laughs> <laughs> that whole Clark Kent thing yeah. going on. Uh, yeah, so if I look like Superman, that's why. Do, do comment on our technical... No, please our, don't. <laughs> ...ability and stuff. Anyway, and please uh, don't comment on last week's uh, microphone being off. Wow, yeah, that was... That, I covered that quite well, I thought. You were just shouting most yeah. of the way through. I thought <laughs> that was awesome. Um, yeah, we're not live this time, are we? No, no. I could be asked to <laughs> change so many things at it once. It's quite a lot of setting up, that. Next time, maybe. Mm. Well, we'll see. Uh, I'm going to crack straight on and talk about some games, because that's on, what we do. That's what I'm going for. to talk about Planet Explorers. Again. One yeah. of the most generic names for a computer it game is. I've ever come across. I, I, I remembered I had this game. Yeah. I, I, looked, I looked at Steam, friends who have got this game, and I thought, oh, it was you. And I, and I thought, oh, God, he probably talked about it like a year and a half no, ago or something on the show, and I wasn't also, paying attention. 2015, I think I got it. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is my 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 sort of per, my, my big sort of pet peeve, my big bugbear, is I don't do early access, except when my peer group pressures me into doing early access like factorio which still isn't out and we've been playing that extensively <laughs> i bought that 10 years ago <laughs> well exactly this is the whole problem you, right, so I, I say all oh, planet explorers and you go oh yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I bought that on early access about three years ago yeah. what did you think do you even remember it have you played it yes no, I, I actually played it during the week briefly to uh, familiarize <laughs> myself with which game it was and my uh, initial thought was, was yeah. oh that's the everquest 2 looking game it does look a lot like um landmark um, yeah. and that kind of sort of free realm style thing sort of that sort of reasonably cutesy graphics style to it and that's a real surprise and shame because it's actually a reasonably hard SF um, sort of planet colonisation voxel sandbox type game with some quite strong and surprising story elements yeah you can, can you dig you can dig, oh, you can dig caves you, all you I did was I wandered around gathered some herbs replicated some medicine and got bored yeah yeah. wandered down to the water couldn't pick up water you needed a jug you talk to her and she gives you a jug oh mm. anyway so so, yes, it's... Um, I don't like talking to women about their jugs. <laughs> can end badly. So, yes, there's it's, so, it's, it's one of these games I've been keeping an eye on. There's a whole big list of them, which I won't go into now, but, uh, you know, all these things... Please I, see the next 100 episodes. Well, I go, into, I go onto Steam and there's a big, you know, search by tags and categories and stuff, and I love exploration games, and I think, oh, that looks interesting, oh, that looks interesting, oh, that looks interesting, and they all, oh, no, no, there's the big blue box. Why is this game released in early I refuse to subscribe to your reality, mm. frankly. I, I'm not going to buy games until they're finished, because it's unfair to heap loads of terrible criticism on them for being unfinished if yeah. they're not actually finished. Fair enough. That's my stance, and it's a hopelessly naive one that's, that's go the way of the dinosaur, I imagine. A bit like you. Yes, yes, it, it does reflect me. So, But Planet Explorers is one of these on my list, on my big rotation of games I go on keeping an eye on and thought I'd have a look at. And, oh, hello, one point something or other, 1.14 or something, 1.12 build. I thought, oh, it's out, it's released. It's, wow. fi it's finished. So I Helped. thought, okay, I'm now allowed to play them by this, so I did. Uh, it's only 11 quid as well. I mean, my guess is that they've basically well long ago yeah. peaked on their, their <laughs> income and interest graphs long time well, ago. And release now is stopping working on it. Well, a release now means you can't charge any more Kickstart pledging for yeah. it. So, But yeah, and uh, so this is a company called Pathia, I think. Yeah, I've never heard of them for anything else. I, I think they are currently pushing an early accessing game called My Time in Portia. 
Portier, something like that. Oh, that sounds vaguely familiar. Yeah, which is apparently a kind of Stardew Valley type of thing. Yeah. yeah. It's, so basically, this is... I've got Stardew Valley. Why do I need anything else? <laughs> well, I don't know. Yeah, it's, I, I don't really know a lot about that game. But Planet Explorers, essentially, you are a member of a a colony ship heading off to a new world and i just I, that just ticks all my boxes i'm so can i say that. it ticks my boxes because that initial cut scene is so bad <laughs> it's, it's pretty bad yeah it's, that, it's all x original x series oh, yeah bad. yeah i'll come i'll come to the production values <laughs> and so on as we go but so but the basic premise of it is yeah you're on a big ship a colony ship from earth and uh well earth and mars from the solar system there's a bit of backstory in the earth and mars have, have just come out of quite a terrifying war uh, where they've been flinging like asteroids at each other and that As kind of do. thing and they you know in the spirit of cooperation and detente they've decided to put together a kind of colony mission to uh epsilon indy i think i can't remember which planet. the planet's called maria why yeah. not uh and uh, so you you start your tutorial on the ship learning how to gather herbs and how to use your replicator tool to basically it's the standard sort of um crafting, crafting from these sorts of yeah. games you have a, 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 a widget that can turn like sand and iron into other things pickaxes and shovels well, with your stuff. small portable replicator you are possibly a god yes well to a point the replicator requires scripts to run yeah. it needs recipes essentially and these 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 sort of form the progression through the game that various various npcs and members of your colony colony expedition all have different scripts available to buy from their little shops as you go through the thing and that basically progressively increases your capabilities you start off yeah. with like leather armor and and stone and wood, wood tools next thing you know you've got like aluminium alloy armor jetpacks and laser guns and, and deployable turret sentry turrets and all the rest of it it's quite an extensive technology tree to the whole game so yeah you arrive in orbit and almost as soon as you arrive in orbit and begin preparations to descend your your big mothership thing hits some Something massive on the way down, and, and it's just an utter catastrophe. So you all jump into your little lifeboat, sh little plane things, and uh, end up scattered all across this game continent. And that's sort of you know that's where you start, that's where you pick up. You you sort of get dust yourself up out of the wreckage of one of these on a beach, and there's a whole continent ahead of you, and and you're all in really dire straits, and you've got to find people, organise, get things back together. It's that real sort of it was almost shades of Red Mars to it. There's like a, yeah. I mean, it's not quite a, a utterly hostile alien death when you land there it is sort of rolling plains green hills country to start with and then there's your forest biomes and your your red rock desert biomes and so on and so there's plenty of resources and things you can use and harvest to get your replicator going and actually start building things back up and and it's sort of um I've, I've heard it described as a kind of 3D Starbound, and that absolutely yeah, yeah. ticks. That absolutely hits it, yeah. I mean, because I like Starbound and I like Terraria as well, but there's just this... I mean, I don't know, maybe I'm a, I'm a three-dimension snob, you know. I'm, 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 I just can't really get into 2D side-scrollers, no matter how flexible and, and expansive they are. I refuse it, to play anything with more than two dimensions <laughs> and no colour clash. <laughs> Attribute clash, yes. Well, jetpack aficionado that yeah. you are, you're probably better off with Starbound, but... So this basically takes that kind of aesthetic, that kind of mechanic, that kind of gameplay, and sort of applies it to a sort of three fully featured three dimensional world. There's all sorts of alien creatures wandering around this landscape. Some of them are herbivores. Some of them are quite aggressive predators. Um, and you you basically start moving from little outpost to outpost, meeting various members, you know, rescuing various members of the, the the crew, and getting getting things together. Before long, you find yourself building up a colony and having to defend it against attacking aggressive native aliens who are kind of sort of mud huts and spears kind of technology. Yeah. But there's an elaborate story that goes all the way through this, which I really. 
am surprised how deep in, and involved and, and intelligent it is. It's really sort of borderline hard SFs, I mean, which sort of clashes a bit with the cutesy people uh, the, yeah. and the aesthetic that you're seeing. Because a lot of the, the, the native creatures aren't terrifying, you know, Geiger-esque monstrosities either. They're generally quite quite cute in some cases. You know, the very early on, you're, the first sort of predatory alien you come across is essentially a giant squirrel thing that's wandering around these grass plains that occasionally tries to kick you about and you have to try and defend yourself and that introduces you to the basic combat there's a kind of sort of over the shoulder third person sort of combat to it and the gunplay is it's not great but is, is it general... real time or is it matching buttons no no real time combat okay. yeah you have to aim, aim and, fire. and shoot aim and shoot yeah, okay. yeah but yeah. It's, it, the gunplay is not you know battlefield or <laughs> you know or gta or anything like that but it's, uh, it's serviceable it does the job and of course you've got a, quite a large variety of materials to build weapons with and different sorts of weapons so the co yeah, you, the, the colony manage management aspect of it is quite involved as well. At one point, I was building a monorail system. It actually has like floating monorail poles that have energy beams connecting, I'll and you can use that as mass <laughs> mass transit between different places <laughs> of interest. There's sort of it's an enormous world with various different sorts of biomes that you'd expect from something like Minecraft, but obviously not everything made of yeah. meter meter cubes. It's all sort of blended into the scenery quite well. I mean, the graphics is nice enough. I mean, slightly stylized to avoid you know the sort of the the uncanny valley stuff, but just the depth and complexity of the systems and the sort of the, the narrative is just really interesting and engaging i'm really finding myself drawn into what's going on with this conflict obviously i'm trying to really subjugate this planet i've decided every now and then you get the occasional moralistic sort of option as to what <laughs> how to approach the situation there which essentially is a a world with um well initially it just looks like an empty world and you're, you're the shock is palpable when you come across some alien ruins and you start to see signs of civilization and then realize that actually there's, stuff, there's people trying to hunt you and drive you off this world, and then it, there's more layers happening on top of that as well. What the thing from the cutscene? <clears throat> um, thing from the cutscene? I don't know yet. No. Okay. No, exactly. There's yeah, like I said, there's some, some you, you see a, you see it for like a fraction of a second yeah. in the cutscene, and then bang, and you're down. But you sort of learn more about that as you go. And, it's really well done. There's some you know there's some downsides to it all. I mean, for starters, it's it's the, the the voice acting is bizarre. I got I don't know the history. I think I'm wondering if it's a, a pledge us pledge us twenty dollars and you can have your you can voice one of the NPCs because you've got loads and loads of people in there with quite a lot of spoken lines, which is nice. But they the, the recording quality and the acting ability are wildly variable. Some uh -huh. of, some of them are sounded quite clearly like they're on podcast mics. Some of them <laughs> sound quite professional. And so I'm thinking, yeah, this might have been a sort of community effort here, getting the voice work done for this, perhaps. I don't know. But it's it's you know the sort of thing you can overlook. Um, like I say, the, the combat's not great, but it does the job. Um, yeah. And the uh, the exploration's good. One of the th things that really blew my mind is as well as so okay so for, you can you can dig it's you've got your normal digging with tools so your pickaxes shovels and so on and finding minerals is actually a matter of actually finding them and digging them out of okay. in, out of the world so you you get a mineral scanner on your little in-game mobile phone app thing and that shows you trace sort of underneath the surface and so you start pickaxing and digging your way down and you actually see on the different point I, I don't not quite sure how the voxels work but 
individual blobs of material are seen as textures as you're digging down. Okay, so you'll dig cool. down dirt, yeah. dirt, dirt, rocks, rocks, and then you start seeing iron and copper appearing, and then you know where to dig. So you actually are digging in the dirt to find real minerals <laughs> and stuff. Those all get processed through your little repli- your magic replicator thing, which can wow. turn them into all sorts of other stuff. What powers this thing? I know, it's it's, it's an astonishing device, which is it, it, sort of everything hinges, the entire economy hinges on it. Also, but, why wasn't it uh, programmed with the ability to make a new ship? Um, I don't know. I think it might get to that one eventually because so See, it feels a bit like you. Have you seen <clears throat> Darwin's of the Galaxy Two yet? Uh, yes. You know the way that rocket fixes the ship. <laughs> it's just it feels spra- like that spraying nanites yeah. onto it. and It's just forming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, I, I'm not. I wouldn't be surprised if that in the late game that becomes possible. Obviously, the thing, the whole thing launches. You can have story mode, and then obviously there's a free form. Yeah. Just here's a world. Here's everything. Go for it mode. I've, I've, I've sort of resisted playing in that yet yeah. because I want to play Th- through that, the story. They tend to destroy it for me. Well, the story is introducing the various tech tree as you go as part of the narrative as well which is interesting and well done um, so you got that. Then you can then you go into build mode, and you can actually start placing cubes of gathered material onto the landscape. In in you know build walls and houses and stuff. Yeah. There's a large section of the sort of mid to uh, early to mid game where you're building a colony, literally for these people. You got various placeable bits of furniture like colony, you know, habitation bed units or medical bays or whatever. They don't just plonk on the ground under a fully formed thing. But then you have to build houses and, okay. and you know roofs and walls and things all around it. Do they get upset if you just leave it all alfresco? Um, they don't seem to care really. I mean, the pathing's quite <laughs> quite uh, eccentric for these NPCs when it, they're wandering around the town. Oh, I would give you walls, but you can't be trusted with walls. Well, no, that, you don't know, understand doors or anything. No, it's more like oh, we've given them walls. We better let all the NPCs just teleport to where they need to be yeah. whenever they want, you know, <laughs> because they do get <laughs> they end up in the strangest places. But I think that's the only logical way you can do it without having it dynamically yeah. regenerate NPC pathing every time you put a, bl- a block in place. Um, it works well enough, so that's quite good. So you've got this whole architectural. Minecraft building aspect to it by placing blocks of marble or stone or steel or whatever in, in, in literally in world as cubes or, or triangular yeah. wedges and so on. And so you can use that to you know, a number of missions. One mission has you trying to build a, a t- essentially a ground-based satellite receiver so that you can contact the uh, the satellite navigation satellites you'd put in orbit on the way in. And and that basically has the objective of use 80 cubes of aluminium and 80 cubes of iron within this area. And it shows you... A, yeah, you could have just built a, a big stack and then put these special items it's given you on the top and that would have ticked the box. But... but it becomes a sort of personal challenge to try and make ah, that actually look like uh, some sort of satellite So some dish. people are going to find this game completely boring because it's just, OK, I've got these resources, made a pile, and it's fine. And other people are going to spend so long doing it. Making quite an intricate-looking thing, The simple yeah. task <laughs> takes weeks. Possibly, yeah. You can get involved as much as you like, really. I mean, I find myself sort of ping-ponging backwards, backwards and forwards between building the colony and just tinkering in a sort of freeform Minecraft style, trying to make it look nice and, you know, lawns and proper buildings and some proper Entry turret towers and defences and stuff, and then and then when I get a bit bored of that, I'll just push on with the story yeah. and actually go explore places around the world. You can fast travel across what's otherwise an enormous continent. Um, every time you find a point of interest, it appears on the map, and you can click on that map to fast travel. You have to pay some in-game currency. The in-game currency is meat. Okay. To fine. begin with, yeah, and all all of, all of the survivors will give you the scripts for the things you need, but you have to pay them in meat. Question: Meat comes from animals. How do the vegetarians and the vegans among the crew feel about this? I'm not sure if they were pre-selected to not have any of them for the crew. I don't yeah. know. 
And then sort of about about a third of the way, well, I don't know how far in, but at one point during your colony construction process, you, you managed to rescue one of the economists from the uh, the ship. Oh, the important people. Yeah, yeah. And he, he's he's pointing out how absurd it is to make, come up with a currency that's perishable. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and that, that's not absurd. <laughs> that fixes so much. <laughs> it's... Um, Oh god, it reminds me of was it some of the backstory blurb for Forty K? Orcs use teeth as yeah. currency, which means that every healthy orc is guaranteed an income for life because they just keep growing. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but um, but no, he ends up tra- he ends up in- implementing a, a sort of credit based currency, and then you can use your meat for actual recipes after that, which is useful. But yeah, so you got that, and you got you got the building. Economists the will ruin everything. <laughs> <laughs> and then, the, but then that really blow. What really blew my mind is there's a creation mode in there as well. Now I don't know if I didn't think I really captured any of it, but. What you've also got is you press this button and you will go into literally goes into a 3D CAD editing software that comes as part of the game. And you use the same block placement techniques that you use out in the world to create, I don't know, guns, helicopters, Ooh. boats, bits of armor, dro- AI drones, turrets, all sorts of things. <clears throat> and then and that 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 object that you're building with cubes of different sorts of material then is something that you can export into the real world as long as you've got the material cost. You save these recipes. The the items gain functional capability by adding things like engines and and rudders or Ah. steering wheels or cockpits. You say, yeah, as long as you've got a certain degree and a certain number of functional pieces, that makes a car. Questions? Yeah. Do the wheel physics work? Yes. Yeah, so you... Do the cars just sort of blow up randomly? No, not really. They're, they're, They're a bit... They're a bit bound. I think the driving physics is a bit hit and miss. Yeah. But the the car the, the cars themselves do work okay. if you're on some flat ground. Pistons. <clears throat> no, I don't think they have pistons or rotors in okay. space engineer right. style. <laughs> no, basically, so to make a car, you it says you you have a list of required pieces that you need, and you'll make them from your own inventory using the replicator based on scripts you bought off of yeah. other people. So you have a fuel cell, an engine, four wheels, two of which have to be defined as steering wheels. They'll they, actually work. steer. Well, you've either got locked fixed wheels or wheels that will steer. That's down to more than just the wheel. Well, it's just the wheel in this. I mean, obviously, they're not going to have it so that you have to literally build a functioning car. The physics aren't that good. That but once you've got a vehicle cockpit, a, f- a fuel cell, an engine, and four, four wheels, t- two of which are designated as steering wheels, that then is a car. And you can build whatever you like on the rest of the bit. Yeah. In terms of cubes of wood, nice. most of them it comes with some template recipes that are all made of wood. <laughs> so, um, but only well, you on, can't beat a good bit of wood paddling down the side of a car. It's really, really daunting and intimidating. Frankly, well, it is a fully featured piece of CAD software, basically. I mean, and with a not hugely intuitive mechanism to actually work with it. I mean, I find the building interfaces a lot more complicated and fiddly than say Minecraft or yeah. Starbound or anything like that. You, you know, it's, I think to to place say, I mean. So the, a lot of the, the placeable sentry turrets, which are really overpowered and quite quite important for defending in-game locations, colony stuff, they will only work if they're on a base of 4x4 four four material. They can't, you can't just push them on the ground. Okay. You have to build a column first. Right. So to build a column, you, it comes with a default drag tool. So you, you left-click and hold and drag, and it will make a, a sort of a, a, a flat rectangle yeah. of whatever size. Then when you let go and then drag... That then yeah, does the yeah. up and down. So that's how you basically create three-dimensional rectilinear objects. But it's And then you can sort of hold sh- shift while you're doing that to c- take cuts out of them to remove. And okay. so. it, you get the hang of it, 
but it is not casual. It's not. It's not just in, in immediately intuitive experience like Minecraft or, or yeah. any, anything else like that. But I'm honestly racking my brains to try and think of any way you could do that easier and more intuitively, and I can't really. I mean, it is a fiddly pain in the ass, especially when you're trying to juggle camera view as well. Yeah. So if you're trying to build a tower that's very tall, it's much no- taller than you. Is there nothing to do to turn everything into the four view, top side left? No, no, not not out in the world when you're building in world walls and houses and stuff. But in in the in the editor, I don't know if it splits into a three pane view. I think you are just stuck with the one little yeah. three view thing. But it's astonishing. I mean, it, like I said, I've, I'm, I've I've yet to come up with any actual from scratch designs that work well myself yet. But they, it comes with enough ready made templates that you can have a go. And one of them is a, a helicopter. Oh, yeah, yeah. You got rotor blades. There's a whole load of boat parts. I wouldn't be surprised if there's spaceship parts later on. I don't know. But there's um, different classes of vehicles. So I've, I think a small small aircraft type vehicle with which essentially is a, a kind of I don't know just a sort of helicopter with six seats in the back and the cockpit thing because you've got NPCs around with you all the time as well often for some of these missions they'll come with you because you need to go take them to a place or escort missions or whatever is there, they can all jump in the helicopter and is there any way you. to make stupidly large mining machines um I haven't seen a drill that oh. goes on a vehicle yet a lot of it is just that was my favorite there are turrets I'm trying I'm still trying to come up with some sort of suitable tank design but I think a ground based tank is, is absolutely doable There's, you've got these enormous turret pieces that can be placed on a vehicle yeah. in addition to the usual, all the bits that make a car so you could have armed cars I think I did make a boat that had um, like mini guns on the front that track when you put into a firing mode when you're driving them so Ooh. you can <clears throat> you can use the turrets from the vehicle it's and that's, this is all all stuff that you can do and get and it's astonishing that the just the sort of potential that that gives you <clears throat> I mean I, I must admit the first boat I made I didn't quite understand what was going on but it ends up driving along about five blocks below the surface of the water so uh, we're sort of driving this boat and the water's here you know by boats do you actually mean navy definition of well, the, boat <laughs> yeah the, no there are there are part there are ballast tanks you can make submarines Ooh. but I think I made one by accident <laughs> Did it have a roof? Uh, yes. Yeah, it was like a sort of Vietnam Apocalypse Now type patrol boat type thing. But um, it sort of merrily scudded along at about 40 miles an hour, about three feet below the water. Okay. So <laughs> that's a bit weird. So it's, it's But a game with this much going on and this many quirks is going to throw up some odd things, that's I think. That's true, but yeah. It's just astonishing. I don't know how far I am, on, I am in on the story yet, but it's really, it's dealing, you know, for it's all its free realms and EverQuest landmarky style of, of sort of cutesy, almost charm, it, it deals with some surprisingly advanced hard SFS <laughs> topics about economy, sociology, the, the, you know, the sort of technology gap between different aliens, the races, that sort of thing. I mean, and then you've got this, this political dimension because half the colony are Martians and half the colony are Terrans. And they're just getting. We've just gotten over this massive war, and yeah. no one trusts each other. So they've split off in, almost immediately into two separate colonies. Of course, and you're off with the Earth lot, and the Mars lot are in, halfway across the forest. I can't just get thing. along. Well, one of the, the one of the Martians in, takes charge and sort of stages a coup, and he's like some military nutter as well. So it's quite. A, it deals Always. with some surprisingly elaborate themes for for what's what amounts to essentially something like you know Starbound or yeah. Terraria. Yeah. 
and and you just get that sense of wandering along an alien shore with with a couple you, you can designate up to two two of the little npcs as as sort of followers of yours and you can equip them in the same sort of paper doll way you equip yourself with the same gear and equipment stuff so i mean i've got two henchmen following me around and i got i got uh, a sniper rifle that came out of this creation editor thing because you can make weapons as well as Ooh. tanks and vehicles and stuff and and i got a jet pack going on there's i think there's a glide pack and a parachute as well i mean there's, there's there's a, there's a rap, rope gra- grappling hook oh, gun cool. thing, which is interesting, because the first biome you end up in, there's these giant stone sort of plateau mushroom things dominating the landscape, and these weird giant curly thorn things all across the landscape. It, it does a pretty good job of creating the appearance of you being on an alien world while still having to fulfil the basic sort of usability of something like Minecraft. Yeah. Even the pl- grassy plains biomes have got weird flora and fauna on them. The trees in the forest seem to, all across the planet, the trees seem to have this habit of do- growing in twinned loops. Okay. All the branches come up. Yeah, yeah. it just it, simple things like that. And of course, you look up and there's the weird planets in the sky. You know, of course, it gives you that real. Wondering how gravity's working with all <laughs> those big planets so close. I know. Anytime you can see a planet larger than our moon in your sky, <laughs> you, you have to wonder why that yeah. planet isn't a, a ring. At the very, <laughs> at the very least, you'd have three hundred foot tides <laughs> every two hours. You know, um, yeah, it, it really does sort of tick scratch that itch for sort of planetary exploration and colonization it does it really well as well but and of course all of the intricacies and sort of fiddling about you get with think something like minecraft but you've got this quite advanced set of technologies going on as well i mean i i I don't think i've seen nearly all of them yet and then on top of all that you're collecting parts that you can use in the creation mode thing to build your own crazy vehicles or or or, or awesome weapons there's there's robot drones that you know flying drone things with a whole bunch of sub sub technologies there and i haven't really looked into those in great depth yet and then you know just as you're thinking oh okay this is you know just a, a minecraft style empty field empty forest you know a, a blank canvas you, you 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 follow the story far along enough and you start coming across weird alien mega structures and all sorts of abandoned alien desert cities and things and you're starting to think wow what's going on here so there's a lot going on in this game uh in, in the story mode and then even if you just didn't bother with that and just did the creative mode i imagine you'd have hours of entertainment there as well i think it's multiplayer i don't know about dedicated servers probably oh everything's got it's, it says it's got a multiplayer now. menu so i imagine you could play this thing with friends i'm very tempted with a static group type of <laughs> type of thing. I don't know. I'd have to. I'll play it through to the end and see see if yeah. see how suitable it would be. But I don't know if the story would make much sense with multiple lots of you, whether it scales or anything like that. But certainly the the creative mode of it all would be eminently suitable for a gang of people to work through the, yeah. the hostile rigors of an alien world setting up and so on. It's it's really good. I'm really impressed with it. And and it was only eleven quid right. <laughs> <laughs> bargain. So I'm enjoying that a lot. And I'm. You're yeah, really, really fascinated to see where this story of it all goes and, and, and how far the tech tree yeah. seems to go because it's just continuing to add new bits and new technologies and new things. <clears throat> titanium armour at some point. I haven't, I haven't found a recipe to make titanium yet. So, so yeah, fascinating stuff. Nice. I recommend that highly. Yeah, because yeah, when I played, uh, it wasn't that gripping for the first couple of minutes. It's no, well, it's it, it's it's a long span game, yeah. I mean, just the, the the lengthy nature of a Minecraft experience to any to your I mean, yeah, it's very easy to get bored of Minecraft in the first two minutes or so. Well, I've got to punch a tree, have I now yeah. what? You know, but it rewards a kind of investment, and the story is surprisingly good. Yeah. Okay, hmm. I am going to talk about uh, Titanfall Two. Titanfall Two. Okay. Titanfall Two is a film. Film. It's a game very filmic game mm. uh, where you star as a guy called Bob 
<laughs> Bob. Right. I can't remember his actual name. She's yeah. now Bob. Chet uh, Dark Hunter. Yeah. Who is a aspiring uh, trooper who's in the Resistance Army against this uh, large organisation which they're win- starting to win against. And he aspires to be a Titan pilot. Titan being a big stompy robot. Big stompy but robot. he's not at the moment. All right. And he's just at the very, very start of the training for it and not even close. Oh, okay. What do you know, though? Halfway through the first mission of the game, you're in a Titan. <laughs> Let me Who guess. could have your, guessed? Your training facility is attacked, all the real Titan pilots are killed through food poisoning, and it's down to you, new beta, seize the day. Not quite. Okay. Your friend Titan pilot who is training you, yeah. uh, something happens to him, yeah. and he gives you his Titan. Okay, well, that's nice of him. It is it was very nice of him. Yeah. He, not wanting to spoil anything, but he didn't need it. <laughs> um, you can't take it with you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So... When we say Titan, as in Stompy Robot, how, are we talking huge, huge kaiju fighting robots? No, there, no, no. Or are we talking, uh, you, you know, uh, slu- slu- exoskeleton power think loader? Think 40k Dreadnought type thing. Okay. You're sitting in the chest yeah. in a little cockpit. Okay. And you've got so these things with are guns about, on what, and feet. 20 metres tall, yeah, that but, kind of scale? Yeah. Hmm, okay. Well, a bit less. But it depends. Right. There's small ones and larger ones. Okay. Uh, yeah, and uh, you, you get in that and then you have to wander around and you stomp around and shoot stuff. Now, this is a game which unfortunately released between Battlefield and COD. Battlefield one week, this the next, COD the week after. (laughs) Can you imagine out of those three games, which one failed miserably? Tough crowd, yeah. Um, Is it Titanfall 2? Yeah. Or did it sink without a trace? Yeah, unfortunately, Uh, yes. It's on EA Access now, which is good. Okay. But it is fantastic. Okay. Um, there's two different modes of play. You get in and out of your Titan quite a lot yeah. to do stuff. Yeah, so all I really knew about the first game was that <clears throat> it was billed as a massive stompy robot experience during which you spent most of it on foot shooting normal guns yes. and then every like five minutes you get to well, do the super-powered use-your-robot mode. The, the first one was uh, so it was all... more like a panic button yeah. special the ability. Fir- the than first one was all uh, PvP type stuff. Yeah, yeah. This one has a campaign. And I'm only bothering with the campaign because who has time for PvP? Well, yeah. Uh, I don't. Mm. Uh, anything where I have to PvP where I'm ranking up, I just can't be bothered anymore. Whether you get good or you get fed up, you know. Well, I get fed up anyway, even though I get good because <laughs> I've got other things to do, other games to play, just time six. Uh, but yeah, uh, so I'm just playing the campaign. Okay. And it has good reasons to be in your Titan and to get out. When you're out of your Titan, yeah. it is a very, very bouncy game there's lots of wall running lots of jumping lots of double jumping lots of getting up high to get uh, better angles lots of trying to bounce up mountains type things to shoot people shooting is fantastic it it really does feel spot on it's solid reassuring fast aiming feels right it feels like you're killing what you shoot which isn't always the case yeah uh, in these games and that is fantastic when you're in your titan it's much the same, only everything's a lot slower. You, uh, It's all a bit more methodical, a bit more plodding. Instead of bouncy-bouncy, it's, oh, look, there's a small rock. I can't get over it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but you have a hell of a lot more firepower. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, <clears throat> occasionally end up having to shoot another Titan, which is just basically a case of strafing around. So a game like Titanfall, you know, the name in the title yeah. and stuff, you'd, you'd want you'd have to have some really good reasons not to be in the robot all the time. Oh, yeah, you end up having to... And get... it would need to also be fun when you're not in the robot. Yeah, it... I would say it's a lot more fun when you're not in the robot. <laughs> the combat is so much better when you're not in the com- robot. Uh, okay. But it doesn't matter because... OK, there's one bit quite early on where... You need to get the robot. You're going through this uh, toxic waste 
uh, facility, uh-huh. sewage facility with green toxic stuff, and um, uh, you have to split up from your Titan. Your Titan's got AI, so it goes off and does its thing. Oh, yeah. And then you need to get it through... Uh, basically a big wall of uh, falling there. That kind of thing. Yeah. So mm, what you mm. have to do is you have to um, fight your way to this point, pull a lever, uh, hold the position until he can come through and then he uh, oh, clears God, does that remind me of? AVP2, Alien vs Predator 2. Ooh. There was a big long section where you, the, the, your, your squad of Marines were taking the APCs through this big tunnel oh, thing. Oh, yeah. You had, to, yeah. you had to go through all these walkways and open gates and stuff yeah. whilst being chased by yeah. this, aliens. This is nothing like that. This is okay. a lot faster and a lot better. <laughs> right. Uh, although that's when the um, scuttle explodey things happen, and that's, yeah. Yeah, that's not pleasant. They <laughs> scuttle and explode. All right. Not my two least favourite things. <laughs> Scuttling and exploding. Yeah. God. Um, yeah, and, and then you, know, you get back in the tide stuff that you do some stuff. But there's always nice, good enough reasons to get out and yeah, good enough reasons yeah. to stay in. Yeah. And it, it mixes it up enough to mean that it doesn't get boring either way. And this campaign is absolutely, it's not very long. Mm. I haven't finished it yet, but it's not that long. It's not a uh, 20 hour campaign. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's even a 10 hour campaign. Okay. It's seven tops, I think. Yeah. But it is good. It is really, really good and plays really, really well. And even. For the price it is now, just playing the campaign is worth it because it is just a really nice, fast, spot-on design shooter that really deserves a good I play. Think, I think all PvP games should have some sort of solo campaign because you need you need practice with the basics before you throw yourself into the... Uh, the also, uh, the other thing I would and say... And a 10-hour campaign's ideal yeah. for learning how to would, do the basic manoeuvres and music. 10 years down the line, mm-hmm. when I come back to it, I'd like to have a campaign on all these games because the multiplayer will be dead by then and I still want to be able to play that game and experience it's it. It's very fickle, that sort of thing. I mean, how long does the average multiplayer community last on one of these things now long is it expected to last well Lawbreakers the uh, Cliff Brzezinski game uh, I think it was down to about 25 players before yeah. it got canned yeah, no, it, it depends. hasn't been out long no, some things I suppose are... it depends on the underlying yeah. popularity of the thing I mean, stuff like GTA I suppose that goes on and on and oh, I imagine was... the whatever Battlefield or uh, yeah, Call of Duty it's why uh, you have problems with indie games doing this uh, yeah. because they have the biggest problem uh, Gun Monkeys a game released a couple of years ago I never heard of it um, yeah, it released it was just a multiplayer um, deathmatchy type game. Yeah. Um, 2D, quite fun. But the problem was it was sold where you buy a copy and you get a copy to give to your friend. Yeah. But even so, they never got the high enough game uh, numbers playing to make the multiplayer a worthwhile. Critical mass and, to yeah. it. Yeah. And because there wasn't any single player, it just never did anything. You go online, you push join, and then you sit there waiting, and nothing yeah. happens, and you yeah. go away, and you don't play it anymore. And, right? and for every Rocket League, say, yeah. there's a thousand other games which just don't get a community. That's yeah. So do not rely on your multiplayer if you yeah. want to have a sustainable game. Yeah, if you want unless to. you have a good thing like uh, Grand Theft Auto Online, well, where yeah. you can just print money it's, it's attention isn't it people have only got so much attention yeah. to spare so if you've got good ip you may be okay yeah. but don't guarantee it and uh you never know when your player base is going to turn on you like in battlefield Star well often Wars. it'll be driven by the next thing coming along you know yeah. well yeah I mean, even if you don't well pull a massive monetization gaff like uh, <laughs> like that and drive everyone away the the next thing will just I'm not, draw I'm, people I'm not to convinced it. that was entirely a monetization gap by gaff i think there was some other resentment simmering below the scenes there because people aren't that organised. Well, I think it... Well, yeah. 
Yeah. I, as I understood it, you had to pay quite a lot of money and, and roll a lot of dice yeah. by paying money to roll a dice you to get basic for... things like Darth Vader and stuff well, like uh, that. Well, also to level up your character. Mm. Oh, well. You got extra, improve your abilities. Don't, I don't, didn't yeah. really follow it, no. but yeah. It, it was a complete waste of time. But yeah, with mm. games, coming games as a service, a stupid idea which is going to die in a year or two because they'll realise they don't sell a second game ever. Um, mm. Yeah, it just it's not sustainable, it's not going to happen. Single player's going to come back massively. Oh, I hope so. There's always a place for it. I, yeah. Yeah, I'm a dead. I'm a quite a dedicated MMOist of, of of sorts for quite a long time, but I still play my fair share of single player story campaigns. Yeah. You know, and I, I love them. Do you, do you want to talk about a single player story campaign? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> going to talk about Lord of the Rings Online. We're still going with that. Um, yes, just a bit of a progress update. So we got to Moria and we are all the way through there. Well, we're not all the way through now. We did. We no, saw, you're never all the no, way No, well, we're following volume two, which is the story of the dwarf expedition in Moria. And ah. it is a bit, uh, yeah, it's a lot of backwards and forwards, um, backwards and forwards to different oh, places no, all the way across. Oh, it's fine. It's now really exciting. To- no, John, you're weird for not liking <laughs> Um, yeah, I suppose you are probably feeling a little bit vindicated <laughs> about that. I don't know. I don't care really. I'm still, I'm so I'm enjoying it, but there's a lot of make busy work. And I've, what yep. I'm seeing is that basically it's it's the idea of episodic content. It's a box set binge, is what we're doing. And the epic story in Lord of the Rings Online really doesn't hold up to a box set binge particularly. No. No. I mean, it, it looks, it plays like it's relatively episodic. You know, each book consists of a number of. So you've got volumes, which is the overall expansion. Volume one was every everything from the launch of the game up to Moria. Volume 2 is all of Moria. And so within there you've got books, and then inside those you've got chapters, and chapters are a go to here, do some stuff, come back and tick a box, whereas books are a number of chapters put together. Obviously, I think people know how books work. Yeah, I think so, yeah. yeah. Um, Books don't have to have chapters, though. Books work as a, as a one-off, I think, as a, as a basic session thing. But, I mean, if I set myself a sort of a, a schedule of or oh, I'm only going to do one book per session or one book per week then I'm not going to get this thing finished before it gets shut down no you're not so we are kind of box set binging it and in that context the story really doesn't hold up that well there's some you know some interesting things and some cool set pieces and some some great sort of law I call it law plus I suppose mm. you know it's where they're basically taking the base the, the actual story and then added embellished it and added to it in in a relatively suitable style that isn't yeah isn't too law-breaking. It's just mildly annoying, not... Uh, but there's a lot of now go all the way down the other end of... You know, now go back down to the waterworks and, and, and look at some stuff and and, po- and get me... There's one mission where we have to get some broken weapons because we're gearing up to fend off an orc assault against the Chamber of the Crossroads yeah. and, and places like that. And he literally sends... He gives you a list of where you might find these broken weapons. This is Moria. This is an entire underground dwarven kingdom spread across about 40 miles from one side to the yeah. other in the books. and Where, and where they mine and forge <laughs> weapons. Where thousands and thousands of dwarves and indeed orcs have lived and fought and battled over hundreds and hundreds of years and, and you're t- there are there are about 20 specific locations in the entire place you have to go to find these broken weapons. Well you've got to find the right <laughs> weapons. <laughs> oh no, oh, it's just, you know, can't we just use these? There's a big pile of them here. No, no, no. no. I could go to the vendor. Yeah, it's... there's. It's, I got these legendaries. <clears throat> I'm beginning to think Lord of the Rings Online would be great if it wasn't online, you know. If I could yeah. just, you know, somewhere, if, if if I could just find, like, a story I could just read all the way through without having to do the interactive stuff, that might be quite popular. Yeah, yeah. yeah someone needs to write the whole story of Lord of the Rings Online as a book. <laughs> anyway, um, 
Yeah, so we're finding that the backwards and forwards of it all is a bit wearing, but it doesn't matter because I'm really enjoying Moria. It's a fantastically designed place. It is a love or hate thing. Yeah. People, pe- people, Some people hate it. Some people love it. It's too dark. It is very dark. Well, they've lightened the ambient interior uh, lighting a great deal from what I remember. You can see much further distance-wise as well. Draw distance has improved. I don't know if that's an engine thing or whether my graphics are just better. But you can definitely see more of an um, as a large sort of internal scope to the place that you know you'll be riding along on your goat along this track and looking across and you can see across vast chambers yeah. of big stalactites and massive stepped dwarven fortifications in the distance with big crystal glowing lanterns and stuff. And surprise, I've forgotten how distinct they managed to make each section of Moria look as well. You know, you'd think, oh, it's all just going to be an underground set of tunnels, but there are zones within Moria and each of them has a really different look and feel, partly to do with ambient lighting and, and general colour scheme and of, of the place like this. The Red Horn Loads is indeed a lot more red than other places. Yeah. And that, you know, the, or the Flaming Deeps where You've got lots of lakes of, I think it's tar or something, the, the black stuff with flames coming out of it all the time, smoke everywhere, and that, that everything's lit from underneath and is a lot redder, whereas the waterworks is a much more of a wide, serene underground lake with big walls coming up and aqueducts everywhere. I mean, the, you know, just the, the, the sort of differentiation within Moria is a fascinating thing. They've done a really good job, I always thought. But, and, and here we are again. This, I think this is probably the only second time I've ever really been through the place properly i got obviously the first time through did that then i think i got another character just about to the doors of Jura and then gave up and got bored of it that back then that was a static group that just sort of petered out but now we're pushing on through and um, we've actually been out the other side there is one there's a quest we accidentally stumbled across where one of the dwarves basically wants escorting over multiple stages <laughs> all the way from about the 21st hall oh, all the way out that, to the other far end yeah to that, the, i remember that one yeah yeah, yeah. He, he's, he's he sort of you know talk to me again when you're ready to move on and it goes all the way yeah. from the 21st hall about right across to across the bridge of Casa doom and a lot about that game made you grumpy yeah uh, and eventually, yeah, you end up outside under the stars in, in the in the Dimral Dale there. Um, and we can see Lothlorien in the distance, but we've went back inside to carry on. I mean, Lothlorien will come in its time, in, in its turn. Briefly. Yeah, well, it was never really... I don't think it was ever really designed as a big adventure hub, you know, a big, big source of adventures of itself. It's a town, basically, with with a bit of scenery and a bit of, you know, geek-out tourism to it. But yeah. And then, you're, yeah, you're off to Southern Mirkwood after that. So, yeah, we're doing well. I'm level 61 now, so we've hit level cap for more and are still going because the levels are higher than yeah. that so basically it's it's a struggle to get the stuff done before it all turns grey in the quest log <laughs> so um, yeah we're sort of overloading because yeah. they assumed you'd just hit the cap and stay there whilst you're cracking on with the yeah. story so I mean levelled content won't continue 61 plus until we get to southern Mirkwood itself who could have guessed I don't mind. I'm not there for the power levelling and the achiever of it all. I mean, I'm there to experience the ambience and, yes, the story. I'm complaining because there's a lot of make-busy backwards and forwards in between the, the interesting bits, but the interesting bits are still worth doing, I think. Um, we had a go at a three-man dungeon. Ooh. Yeah, one of the few three-man dungeons available in the game. Um, we were on level. We had the Trinity going, probably. I, was, I, 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 I found my tanking spec. Cool. Yeah, it turns out that if I'd have put all my... Because you actually get two specs, and I just put the first... Because I only I, I used all my points up on the red tree, which yeah. is your solo DPS stuff, just because I thought I was going to be soloing through it all. But then uh, it turns out, oh, well, if I put my all the points in the second spec into the blue one, and then I can switch between the one I need, 
in the blue one, uh, almost the first point you put in there unlocks the AOE taunt. Ah. Yes, things got a lot easier after yeah. that because <laughs> I was just, uh, we went in and I, I stabbed one of them and held its aggro and then everything else went and pummeled the other two into dust. So The tauntless uh, tank tauntless is... tank a... is a real thing with Lotra. I remember first time through as a guardian, it took me to about, I think, level 40 until you get your yeah. first actual taunt. That must have been reworked since then. It was insane. But, um, yeah, so we've done a bit, little bit of dungeons. This was a complicated with the mirror halls, it's called, and it's basically all those Moravel winged harpy uh. women all in some roost and there's a whole bunch of mirrors that you have to sort of realign to get this beam yeah. of light I think you might you might have done it I think I've done it yeah yeah I think we had a go back I, in the it, day it sounds vaguely mm-hmm. generically familiar. <laughs> but yeah so you have to sort of realign all these mirrors to get the mirrors down through the to the boss and then the beam of light will let you kill the boss easier without it stomping you too badly um, and it's quite quite fun yeah it threw us a few curveballs because there's a couple of mirrors where there is a respawning creature near it it will just turn it back again if you ah. once it comes back so you have to do those ones last so yeah. you have to sort of get the whole thing set up before you know it's going to work and then do those three mirrors last and if you got it all right and set the mirrors <laughs> right and then big boss fight hurrah um there was some sort of bonus mode you can do like don't kill all its minions for additional rewards i don't know medallions of lothlorien i have no idea probably no. by the time we've accumulated enough medallions of Lothlorien we'll be about 10 levels higher than the gear it's giving out I don't care it was just the doing of it you know the uh, oh yeah I can we can still yeah. do group work in here it still works but yeah I don't know really what else there is in the world into the school and the library uh, there's a couple of other instances along the way but they got into this habit of selling the instance cluster as a separate product uh, yes um, yeah. which I think so for Isengard or Rohan one of those two you have to pay extra for the dungeons <laughs> I, I sort of appreciate on that because it's not doing the dungeons you're buying content yeah i mean if you just literally don't care then you don't have to buy them i suppose yeah. just buy the quests the overworld quests instead but you know monetization hey turbine or standing stone games or whatever the hell they're called these days I don't know. yeah so yeah still going well there you want to talk about a thing? I'm going to talk... I went back to Yorkshire Gubbins. Yorkshire Gubbins. Yes. For those who don't remember, because... Uh, I know you're talking about it, but I don't really remember what you said. It's a uh, 2D point-and-click adventure. Okay. Set in a 100% accurate Yorkshire. Uh-huh. Where, uh, where the main story is about uh, this woman who's trying to make a pie. A pie? But she's got no special meat... Because her best friend has stolen the special meat special because meat. she ruined her wedding while trying to sort out the fact that she was, had been duplicated by a slug person. Right. Okay. Gotcha. 100% accurate. With you so far. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and, that, you know, I played the uh, main story a while ago, but I went back and played the prequel, which, because um, I, I, I keep thinking, I want to play more of this, but the next adventure isn't out yet. Mm. Uh, it's coming very soon, and uh, the, author, the, the developer keeps uh, teasing it. And so I think, oh, I'll go play this sequel. The sequel's very, very short. Mm-hmm. But it reminded me that I really, really like this game. It doesn't have the stupid moon logic of a Sierra adventure. Yeah. Uh, it looks good, although pixel size means on a large monitor, it really does sort of in your face. <laughs> <laughs> That's but, part of the charm. And it does have some fantastic voice acting in the most part. Um, anyone, it, anyone I've heard of? No. Okay. Uh, it's a small indie game, and, hmm. and uh, the developer basically said that she uh, she was um, uh, lamenting the fact that she had people come visit her, and she didn't get them to record any um, voice work. <laughs> Fair enough. Because yeah, it works. Uh, yeah, and it, it's just a really, really nice, amusing, passes any laugh test you can come up with, uh, 
story, uh, a point-and-click adventure, which isn't really, you know, because nowadays point-and-click adventures basically come down to uh, nostalgia. Yes. It's yeah. Okay, here's Sam and Max, here's uh, Dead of Tentacle, here's uh, Monkey Island, and then, oh, look, I made something in the line of my ga- those games I made back then in yeah. the case of Thim- um, Thimbleweed, Thimbleweed Park. Park yeah. But there isn't that much new stuff, and there's some. How but... do you do new stuff? What What is the new paradigm for oh, a point-and-click adventure? It, what does that look like in the modern world when it's not being done as an ironic retro yeah. niche well, thing? You can do it still. But you don't have to. It's the ironic retro bit. Hmm. This okay. It has the verbs down at the bottom. You click on yeah, yeah. the invention at the bottom, yeah. which is fine. That's fine. That just works as a. It's UI. fine, but it's a twenty-year-old game, you know. Yeah, but but the actual game and the humor on it and the references are all fine and up to date and modern, and it doesn't feel old in the process. Yeah, which is good because yeah, Fimbleweed Park for all that it was, all that was good about it, was firmly looking backwards. Mm-hmm. Um, it was making constant references to the old games and um, mocking. Yeah, uh, if you'd never played Monkey Island, you probably weren't going to get half of Fimbleweed yeah. Park, probably. Yeah. Oh yeah, or, or if you didn't know about the Sierra Adventures being yeah. really a bit moon logicy, you, you you're not going to get that joke. And this uh, um, Yorkshire Gubbins isn't like that. It, it isn't. Oh, that's good. It isn't looking forward. It's looking back. It's looking forwards and doing new things with it. And mm. I really uh, appreciate that about it. And it, it's really quite good. And I think everyone should go play it because if you want a, a point of click adventure, mm. it's really worth it. And okay, there's only there's Verb School, which you can play online for free on the web, which is basically the the, the tutorial. Then there's a prequel, which sets up the first episode oddly enough as the prequel though, uh, which is <laughs> right. very very short and then there's the first episode which has all of the stuff in right it. Is, this, is the intent being this is going to be a season thing oh yeah and, and she's working on the next one right, right. and it, which has got lots of doctor who references in apparently <laughs> and uh, and she's gonna keep going and making bits fair enough um i don't know whether or not i did it in the right order or not because i played the main episode then the prequel no, it shouldn't matter too Which, much. They're written well enough. Yeah, no, I I think that I perhaps did it in the right order hmm. because it made some of the jokes referencing the prequel funnier to me. Because <laughs> uh, you know it, it it references a bit preposterous things. Yeah, and, and leaves them unsaid. Fair enough. But it, when you go and play the prequel, you go through those things and. You know, it's that whole resolving. Oh, it. Yeah, 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 and yeah, it's fun doing it back in the yeah. But you know, I, I think possibly playing the main one and then the prequel might be slightly funnier in some bits. But then again, I could be wrong. But yeah, no, it's a really good game, right? I don't know if you're enjoying play. it, you're not wrong. Yeah, no, it's on Steam. Have a go, have a play. It's really quite fun. Yeah, cool. Uh, right, I talk about Might and Magic Nine. Now we're into single player. Yeah, we're into single. Yeah, well, <laughs> so so on my shelf, I've got a whole nine. bunch of. I know wow. de- <laughs> nine. And yes, I remember what it was. Eight. I don't even remember the first one. So this is not Heroes of Might and Magic, yeah. which is the sort of army. That's a spin-off. Army thing that you move around. You know, move stacks of armies around the landscape, fantasy battle thing. This is uh, essentially a kind of first-person party-based adventure romp. It's very, very old. Two thousand and two. I had to look it up because yeah. I because I just you know, I think if you see some of the video I captured here at fantastically low resolution and stretched badly on my monitor, um, you'll see it's quite a primitive-looking thing. So I got this massive shelf of. Of, of DVD cases on my... Oh, you're uh, actually playing on proper media. On, no, no, <laughs> on my <laughs> shelf. And uh, almost none of which now work on Windows 10 because Windows 10 doesn't like 
DRM companies cocking about with the uh, yeah. the, the DV my, with the Microsoft, CD drivers. To be fair to them, turned around and said, "No." Yes, yes. Stop it. Yeah, most a lot of a lot of <laughs> a trusted. lot of copy protection in those days worked by infecting, basically rewriting and and modifying your CD-ROM drivers on your operating system to work with what they'd done to the disc. I think a bit a lot, simplified, but yeah, yeah. I, I, there's, there's there's technology behind it. Well, I think it's just writing a section that isn't normally readable on the disc or something like um, that. I can't yeah. remember. There's various mechanisms, but a lot of them are basically considered by Microsoft a big no-no, and were you know were quite bad in the day, and nowadays are, are being rightly regarded as as essentially malware. Yeah. But that does have the the downside of pretty much every game I've got on disc from about 2000 through to about 2014 no longer working. Are you aware on of Windows 10? Company? Is there a, is there a company that there can help? There is a company that could help. Yes, well I went to that company that can help and and found that it was quicker to uh, just buy and install I it got, from there than I get got than a get the disc out. of all of the magic games yeah, ages ago. Yeah. I think I have the ball. So I bought it again from GOG. Yeah, it was only about 4 quid or yeah. something and it, and as I've said many times before, I, I, I regard that as a fee worth paying for yeah. the work they do, you <laughs> yeah. know, even though I am generally opposed to the idea of buying the same game twice for 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 angry reasons of not my control, you know. Um, yeah, so got it, fired it up. And this is entirely a nostalgia thing. I'm not just not, sh- you know, <laughs> I'm talking about it on the show, but I really don't think I can recommend it in all good conscience because it's just very bad, objectively speaking. But I quite liked it back in the day and I never really finished it. So I, I thought, oh, yeah, let's see if I can get that going again. And and even with the GOG version, I still had to go looking for some compatibility patches. It was a game that was very buggy. It was yeah. a game that was very late released. It had all sorts of development hell problems. I'd, I had to go and do a bit of research on Wikipedia where it talks about some of this. And it's a game that bombed. Um, <laughs> was not liked by the fans of the Might and Magic series, let alone you know, review, reviewers and other gamers. Uh, and just for some context, I mean, yeah, like I say, you can probably see a bit of the video here. It's a really simplistic thing. It has item bloat, inventory bloat. There's, there's, it's, it's a bit buggy. The, the music's okay, but the graphics are terrible. Uh, to are say, they terrible for the standards of the time? No, no, this is it. I, I, I thought, well, you know, it's an old game, fair enough. But then I looked at it and I thought, no, EverQuest 1 was better than this, and that launched in 1999. And <laughs> yeah. in the This same, is after Half-Life. <laughs> in the same month, Morrowind <laughs> launched. Yeah, yeah. You could put Morrowind yeah. and Might and Magic 9 side by side and then point at one and laugh. One of them sold more copies. One of them did I rather well. Guess. Yeah, yeah. The other one killed its company. 3DO don't exist, I don't think, oh, anymore. God, yeah, yes, it was one yeah. of the old 3DO lot. So anyway, but it's it's a par- it's a relatively uh, you know, driven party based adventure romp with some stats and some some class progression and some questing and some of the some of the dungeon design was quite interesting as I recall there's you know hidden things and in boxes and tasks to tasks to carry out and that sort of thing it's you know now I come to explain it to someone else I'm really doing a really bad job of selling it and it doesn't help sell itself either but I was really fascinated with it in its day and I'm I've just found myself playing a lot of that lately trying to trying oh. to actually have a go and finish it trying to uh, work my way through I tell you it's made more difficult by the fact that anytime I get stuck normally you just head for the wiki head yeah. online nothing there's almost no it's like, wow I think there's like I think I've found one or two GeoCities sites that are still <laughs> running or have been ported to somewhere else and yeah yeah it's, it's really quite a niche game and, yeah. and didn't do very well but I'm liking it for some reason so yeah I don't remember I, I, it doesn't like Dark Messiah of Might and Magic oh, I yeah, think, was yeah. probably one of the latest installments of that that, that franchise 
because that was quite a big franchise in its day. I liked Dark Messiah of Might and Magic a lot. Do you know why? Because it was one of the it was the it was the people who did Arcs Fatalis and Dishonored and Prey. It's Arcane Studios did that. Yeah, they they were hired on after uh, other popular because Arcs Fatalis was essentially a spiritual recreation of Ultima Underworld, and it it was it was well it was highly regarded but didn't do very well commercially. But I think they the company the 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 publishers is it Ubisoft or whoever they basically hired on Arcane Studios to do and do a game with the Source engine because off the back of how well they liked the Arxitalis stuff. Yeah. And yeah, Dark Messiah Might Magic is, is a lot of fun and I highly recommend that. It's, it's very kinetic. Quite a lot of kicking people off of ledges and some really good sword play and stuff. But no, not this thing. <laughs> Might and Magic 9 is, is, is pretty it's pretty bad for its time. <laughs> <laughs> but if you sort of imagine it to be a 1980s game, it's actually quite good. <laughs> so yeah, I'm playing a lot of that and I don't know why. But I've I bought uh, I also bought The Summoner. Uh, I don't know if you remember oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was, that's a, it was a sort of console classic that was also on the PC of that time as well and that had some really good story and world building to it although the combat was a bit simplistic and clicky so i haven't really sunk myself well into that yet but um that was another one from on my shelf i'm, I'm gonna get to the point where i can just throw out about 50 games because they just don't work anymore Ooh, and that i bought them sell all. them well, they don't work. That's the problem. Isn't it? Unless you've got a four eight six somewhere They're running collectors. Windows three point one. There are people online. They have YouTube channels. Well, yeah, I know this. I can do my bit by destroying my copy of it, which makes all the other ones that much more rare. That's true. But yeah, it just it irritates me. I buy games for life. I don't rent them. This is yeah. why I've never really gone in for these like subscription service gaming stuff. Why I always get really irritated about things like uh, um, like Lotro, where you're buying quest packs temporarily for points, or you know, subscription being a set renting a game it just really gets to me and it really breaks my heart to see you know hundreds of games really good games of their day that i you know effectively become retro games these days and just as well gogger on the case because otherwise they'd be gone forever there'd be yeah. no way to re- yeah. replay this stuff i mean you know i suppose you can't take this stuff with you but some of them do hold up even through the haze of nostalgia and i'm still sort of enjoying some of those still today yeah yeah, I actually played a bit of Ultima Underworld the other day. Oh, yeah, yeah. You that, should go and play that again. That is that I, is still very good, I like, if a little bit I really enjoyed those. Day. Yeah, yeah. That, that, those were some of my earliest formative PC gaming No quest journal. No. <laughs> That's a bit problematic. And the map is fantastic. Take pen and paper. The map has... The spells. An, you put an, you the spell. You put annotations on the map yourself. <laughs> well, that's quite elaborate. Yeah. I remember bits of paper. Yeah, and yeah, the, the spell system, where you can guess the spells. Yeah, it's essentially just a yeah. permutation lock rune thing. But I, I some, of, some of them are written room. on notes in yeah. the game, but otherwise you just work them out. Well, yeah. so I can buy these. Ha <laughs> ha. Yeah. Uh, per, oh, permutation spellcasting. Oh, yeah. I love it. Yeah, anyway, yeah. yeah. That, that's a discussion for another day. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, have you finished talking about? Mine? No, uh, I also. Oh yeah, yeah. I finished talking about that. I just wanted to point out I found a mobile game I like. Okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah. This is called The Battle for Polytopia, and I don't know how to get image shapes off of my phone I'll onto, onto online, the camera. There, maybe. you can probably find them. It is essentially it's a rec- it's a remake of Civilization. I like it the Civ games. Uh, it's in an isometric style. It's got cutesy pixel art, sort of vector graphic style, and it is the ab- an absolutely perfect distillation of the spirit of Civilization for a five-minute mobile phone have game. Have you ever played Civilization Revolution? No. You should have a go at that. Okay, but this thing is got it's got you. It's got cities on a landscape. The landscape's suitably small. You'd expect yeah. it's that you've got a tech tree where you're generating resources and researching technologies, which allow you to build more units. It's, it's, it, you've got you. 
build roads between your cities, you're generating more trade there, you've got various resources on the landscape to work with, you've got other empires that you're fighting, in a, you know, moving your units around the board. Arch, you know, archers, cavalry, that kind of thing. Each of the unit, each of your, each of the civilizations is a, has its own little unique look and feel. There's like a Viking lot and a samurai lot, and a, so you know the, the, all those different tribe style things there going on. Romans, and then and and it's free and there's no ads. Uh, I think they charge for unlocking other types of tribe. Yeah. You, only okay. get, you only get three Fair or four enough. to start with. I, I'll yeah. accept that as a... Yeah, it seems... Like, it seems like, but it's just so slick, and it absolutely nails the UI problem. You know, the Ooh, whole mobile yeah, phone UI yeah. problem. It works fine in portrait. You don't have to turn yeah. it landscape and then use half the screen as oh. thumb controllers or anything like that rubbish. I apologise for the video I'm showing being in portrait. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it really... It works so well. It's just tap, 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 done. You know, it, I, I just can't understand how... F- few game mobile phone game man- makers get that wrong even things that are deliberately made for mobile phone you match three gems things the gems are always too small you know the, the screen's got too much going on this is just an absolutely elegant or a game exercise during the week which i won't mention because it wasn't that good yeah. where the button presses only worked like one out of every five times yeah this is this is absolutely spot on and i, yeah. I can't believe they're giving it away for free frankly yeah. so look for that if you it's on android i guess there's the other sorts as well. If it's, yeah, there's probably an iOS. Probably, you can't probably an tell. OS one. You can't I, always iOS. Tell. I don't know. Look for look for it in your Google Play Store. I don't or know. Whatever. I, I've abandoned Apple, so I don't care anymore. The Battle for Polytopia. Very good. Surprising, because I hate mobile phone games, and I yeah. like this one. So they hate you too. Yeah. Yeah. It's deserved. So, yeah. What did you learn this week? I learned that you can't roast a whole cauliflower, <laughs> <laughs> even if the recipe calls for it. <laughs> Not without specialised equipment. Uh, and it just I, doesn't cook properly. Yeah. I learned that my car has a warning light for when one of the headlight bulbs has gone. Oh, fantastic! I know, I know. I was driving along and I hear this ping, and then this little yellow symbol I didn't recognise comes out. It looks like a sun, and it came yeah. up, and I thought, oh god, this is it. We've only got eight minutes till the end of the world. But then next time, I, my my book's in the glove box, so I dug it out and had a look. And it, yeah, if one of your headlight bulbs goes, it will tell you on your dashboard. Because that's not much electronics to actually add. It's just a current. The current <laughs> is not happening anymore. <laughs> warning light. Yeah, yeah. You don't have to rely on other drivers flashing at you all the time. So that. Was that was great. You know, the next day and you know, off to, off to the car place. You know, pull the yeah. pull the back off the thing. New bulb in, sorted, done. Are, are yours easy to do yourself? And the light went off. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's yeah. all just spring clips yeah. and reach in, clip, done. Because um, a mutual friend of ours, uh, um, I helped him replace one of his lights, and it took so long because it being a had French to get the, car had to get the body off of the chassis. Oh, and, it, on, it, it onto was a crane. hideous. It was so much effort. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's amazing what science can do it nowadays. Is. So, yeah, go on to howtometatime.com for previous shows and more of the same and the links to all our YouTube stuff and all the previous podcasts. See you next time. Goodbye.